Hey, good morning, church. Great to be with you today. Fantastic. Really appreciate uh, all your support with the Christmas box yesterday and your giving and that, and uh, just really amazing. Every year, it just sort of keeps increasing, as Pastor Bob said, and uh, uh, it was just fantastic. See, I know the police just get blown away with it. A victim support group of the police, it's um, eight years now that we've been working with them and expanded it now beyond that into uh, the fire and I think it might be the ambulance and Plunkett and there was a few others uh, there as well. So it's really good to work with the community groups and I know they really value uh, what Elam is doing. It's um, interesting as we start to get some feedback from people and really makes you appreciate that for Christmas for many people it is very difficult and uh, we look forward and celebrate Christmas but for many people they don't look forward and celebrate it. Some obviously uh, financial reasons has been a really tough year uh, but other for personal reasons it's a difficult time and you know as we go through life we um, we fill our minds with many different things with the activities of life of work and all the different things that we have to be involved with and so we fill our minds with that but Christmas is different and Christmas we often find that then memories begin to flood back uh, uh, again and and for some, we just like find that the heart is just not in it. And it's just um, maybe there's a husband or a wife or a child that is no longer there. Or, you know, maybe you hear, you know, like families coming together for Christmas, but your family's not coming together. Uh, there may be a strained uh, relationships there with some, or maybe uh, for some that uh, you would normally go back home, but because of COVID, you're not able to get back home and, and be with family at Christmas. And, and uh, often if it's uh, some relationship that is broken or somebody that has passed away our heart is not really in it it's like there's a an empty chair at the table that uh, is would normally be filled and and for some uh, it is very difficult just to move on again from that don't really look forward to uh, Christmas time I heard this great prayer it said dear Lord so far I'm doing all right I have not gossiped lost my temper been greedy grumpy nasty selfish or self-indulgent I haven't whined, complained, or eaten any chocolate. That sounds like John Roberts, doesn't it? Eating any chocolate. However, I'm going to get out of bed in a few minutes, and I'll need a lot of help after that. That's so true, isn't it? Man, you know, life just hits us, especially this time of year, with lots of things. What do you do? What do you do when you've had a major body blow in life? You know, we're all going to face tragedies in life. Every one of us... uh, uh, we're going to have parents that are going to pass away if you're married. When either you or your spouse are going to be the first one uh, to die. Uh, um, you know, you have brothers or sisters or uh, friends, loved ones that are going to pass on. In recent years, I've had uh, three brothers, uh, one sister, two brother-in-laws, two sister-in-laws all pass away. Uh, we're all going to go through times like that. What do you do when? There is somebody that is there at one moment and then the next are not there anymore. How do you handle that kind of crisis? What do you do when your spouse walks out and says, well, I'm not coming back again? What do you do when the doctor calls and says the diagnosis is terminal? What do you do when you have an accident and all of a sudden you realize that the future plans that you had hoped, the expectation that you had for your life is not going to happen anymore what do you do when a pandemic uh, comes in and maybe you've lost your business or maybe you've lost your job? We have uh, some that have uh, studied for years, trained for years. We have one in particular that I think of in uh, our um, Manuira Church that's trained for years to be an international pilot and 
then all of a sudden the job has gotten gone and very unlikely to ever come back again. What do you do when uh, you've just walked away from a freshly covered grave? How do you find the strength to carry on? There's a man in the Bible who asked this question many years ago, and his name was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, he went through a horrendous period of history in the nation of Israel when the enemy came in and just ravaged the entire nation. In fact, the whole nation was taken into captivity as slaves. And, and uh, during Jeremiah's lifetime, he saw all of this happen. He saw these uh, enormous atrocities and inhumanities that were uh, done to his people, to his family, to those that he loved. And he wrote it all down in two books that we have in the Bible, one book uh, called Jeremiah and the other book called Lamentations. Jeremiah was the one that wrote the verse that we have uh, over our church, uh, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. This verse was written under these circumstances as place of despair. And so in Lamentations chapter 2 verse 11, he, Jeremiah says this, he said, I have cried until the tears no longer come. Some maybe you've experienced that. I have cried until the tears no longer come. My heart is broken. My spirit is poured out in agony. You know, often it's hard to identify with someone when you haven't walked through uh, in their shoes. And, but maybe today you can identify with Jeremiah. Maybe this Christmas you can identify uh, with Jeremiah and, and, and some of the feelings that he has gone through uh, at this stage in his life. And if you've come to church and maybe you're kind of feeling a little bit low, you're feeling a little bit discouraged, doesn't mean that uh, you're weak or you're mean or anything like that. All it means is that you have a heart. It means that you're human. You're going through stuff in life. We all do. What do you do, though? How do you find the strength to carry on again? I've got a few things written down here if you'd like to take your notes there. And, and the first thing I want to suggest to you is to be real with God. Be real with God. Don't repress your grief. Spill it out. Let God uh, hear it. Tell him how you feel. Tell him the good, the bad, the ugly. Don't stuff it down. See, when you stuff down those emotions, when you pour, put it, push it all down inside, you're only hurting yourself. You're only making it far worse. You are not going to move on in life if you keep repressing and holding back all of those emotions. And so in Lamentations chapter 2, verse 18, Jeremiah, he says these words. He said, cry aloud before the Lord. Let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourself no rest. Give your eyes no relief. Rise up during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him in prayer. And in chapter 3, verse 18, he says, I cry out. My splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time I, as I grieve over my loss. Like Jeremiah, he's like really letting it out here, isn't he? He's just letting out his, what he feels. This is important to do that. See, there'll come a time when you'll run out of words. You'll run out of tears. You'll come to the time when you've just emptied yourself and then God is able to come and to whisper comfort into your spirit. You know that God wants to talk to you more than you want to talk to God? You know, we have to get to this place where our mind stops racing, where stuff's just going over and over in our minds, and, 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 and we're just filling our minds with all these feelings and these words. We have to get to this place where we, we run out of that and we just become still, and God is able to speak to us. 
Lamentations chapter 3, verse 49, it says, My tears flow endlessly. They will not stop until the Lord looks down from heaven and sees. There's something about tragedies, isn't it, that get us to the place where we can refocus our attention again. We can shift away. We get involved in a whole lot of things that really in reality are not that important. And something like a tragedy, something hits our life and all of a sudden we come back and we really refocus on what are the priorities of our life, the most important things. And if you notice, when you get into a tragedy, it's like everything just seems to slow down. There's nothing slower than sitting in the hospital waiting list. I used to sit there quite often when I was playing football. You're sitting waiting, waiting, waiting. You know, there's nothing slower than waiting in a funeral hall, a home. You know, there's, there's tragedies. They, they have a way of just slowing us down. That is not a bad thing. That is a good thing because sometimes we can be so busy that we just don't hear God. We need to slow down. Psalm 46.10, God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. We need to come to the place where we stop arguing with God. We stop questioning why this stuff's happening, why he's doing this. Come to that place. He is God. Be still and know that I am God. Another secret to finding strength to move on after a tragedy is to ask God to remove your fears. Ask God to remove your fears. In a tragedy, we have all kinds of emotions. We kind of feel grief and confusion and, and doubt and, and anger, frustration. But, but there is an emotion that is far deadlier, that more damaging than all of the others, and that is fear. See, grief doesn't paralyze you. Anger won't paralyze you, but fear will paralyze you. And, and, and if you're going to get on with life, if you're going to be able to move again, not be paralyzed and stuck in, in that place if you want to move again. You have to get to the root of the fear, the anxieties that are in your life. So Jeremiah, he prays this in Lamentations chapter 3, 55. He says, But I called on your name, Lord, from deep within the pit. You heard me when I cried. Listen to my pleading. Hear my cry for help. Yes, you came, and I called, and you told me, Do not fear. Do not fear. Everyone in this room have fears. You know, we can fake it. We can pretend that it doesn't happen. We can try and cover it up. We can medicate it. And we can, you know, the truth is that everyone has fears. They are universal. And some fears are real. Especially if you live in Australia, like they've got everything that wants to bite and eat you over there, don't you? Like they're genuine fears. But, but there are fears in life that you have to know how to deal with them so that you can move on again. The Bible tells us that there are three antidotes to fear. There, there is truth, and there is love, and there is faith. Truth will set us free from our fears. Jesus said the truth will set you free. How is that an antidote to fear? Because most of our fears are either based on ignorance or false information. Someone described uh, fear there you know, as false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real i know the acrostic doesn't work for translations but uh, most most of our fears are not based on truth but are lies and misperceptions and misunderstandings and you're afraid of things that you don't really need to be afraid of because you have a misconception you have a misunderstanding of what is happening and you can't just get rid of both fear by just saying, well, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. You need to replace fear with truth. The more that you can fill your life with God's truth, the more you can get the word of God into the life, your life, the less fears that you're going to have. There will be less room for fear to be in your life. 
you put the truth in and the truth will set you free. Love casts out fear. The Bible says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. It pushes it out. And so the more you have of God's love in your life, the security of knowing who you are in Christ, that you belong to him, that he is there, he's with you, he will comfort you, the less fear that you will have. You see that with children, don't you? You know, children can be fearful of something, but they run and they grab hold of dad's leg or they snuggle into mom or something, and the security of being with their parent takes the fear away. The security of knowing who you are in Christ will take fear away. And then faith will reduce fear. See, faith doesn't eliminate the feelings of fear, but faith gives you the courage to move on in spite of your fears. Faith doesn't say it'll take away your fears, but but there are times in your life that you just need to step out in spite of your fears or the uncertainties of what is going to happen, you step out. I remember in the early days when I was feeling this call in my life to be a pastor, but, uh, but I hated speaking in front of people. And uh, so um, we used to, in our church, we used to have a uh, church I grew up in, they used to have like an open service and, and someone would get up and pray, someone would share something from scripture, somebody would uh, give out a hymn. And, and I used to make myself I was feeling like if I'm going to be a pastor, I'm going to have to talk. And so I used to make myself get up and pray or make myself get up and do something. And so I had fears, but I had to step out in faith in spite of the fears to reach the destiny, the calling that I sensed that God had over my life, moving ahead in spite of fears. You know, on Guy Fox night, our little dog, he's shaking with fear. He hates anything, thunder, firecrackers, anything, and and. He's really normally his mum's dog, mummy's dog. He runs up and he sits next to Marilyn. If he's with me and Marilyn comes into the room, he leaves me and goes to her. And, and like he's a mummy's dog. He's like a real wimp, actually. He's a real, real wimp. But on Guy Fox night, he knew whose lap to come and sit on. He didn't want anything to do with Marilyn. He wanted to be with me. He knew who could keep him secure in times of fear and uh, The third secret of recovering and finding strength to go on is to remember what never changes. Remember what never changes. See, life is constantly changing. Changes all the time. And of course, when a tragedy or something happens, it changes more quickly. None of us at the beginning of the year expected to happen what has happened this year. I had a whole lot of list of stuff planned for this year with missions and different stuff, which just all went out the window. And, uh, you know, life just changed rapidly. One minute, somebody that you love is there, and the next minute, they're gone. And that's an instant change. But there are some things in life that will never change. And you need to anchor into those certainties. Anchor into those things so that you have stability in your life. And not, you're not just blown around by all the circumstances of stuff that happens. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. What's our souls? Our souls is our mind, our will, our emotions, the the, the areas of life that fear will affect. And so our hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. To have hope in God is the the expectation of a favorable future under God's direction. The expectation that God will see you through. God will be with you. God will take you through whatever is happening. Jeremiah did this. No matter what happens, there are three things that never change. He reminded himself of these three things. 
First of all, I remember that God is still in control. I remember that God is still in control. He says in Lamentations chapter 5, he said, Our hearts are sick and weary. Our eyes grow dim with tears. But, Lord, you remain the same forever. Your throne continues from generation to generation. God is still on the throne. God is still calling the shots. No matter what is happening in the world around about us, God is still in control. See, humans have a free will. Humans can make bad choices, and and, and God doesn't overrule that. People get hurt. God allows us to exercise the free will that we have. He doesn't control our choices, but he does control the outcome of those choices. He is, he is in control. He will make it work it out. We can trust in him. He will take us through the valleys. He'll bring us through to the other side. See, the truth is that I can't handle everything that's going to happen, that is going to come into my life, but I don't have to. God will do it for me. See, the secret of Christ's control is Christ's control. He will overrule. He will guide. He will direct. I can trust him to handle it. I I remember that God is still in control. And then I remember that God still loves me. See, he's never going to stop loving me, no matter what other people may say or do, or no matter if folk may leave me or desert me, God will always love me. He'll always be there. Jeremiah reminded himself of that in Lamentations chapter 3, 22. He said, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. This is a scripture that we get that famous hymn, uh, my favorite hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. That's where they get it out of this verse here. God is faithful. See, trust God in the dark for the things that he's shown you in the light. You can trust him. He is faithful. He will take you through. And then the third thing I remember is that God is all I need. God is all I need. In Lamentations chapter 3, 24, he says, And I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. The Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. See, you're never going to know that God is all you need until you come find yourself in the situation that God is all you got. And if you, God is all you've got, well, really, you've got everything else because all of the resources are in the hand of God. Everything that we need is in his hand. I don't have to know all the answers if God does. And then the final point is that believe God will restore you. Believe God will restore you. Jeremiah, again, he says in chapter 5, 21, he says, Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. Expect them to, trust them to, believe God will help you recover everything that you've gone through. See, you can, you can trust God that he will bring good out of bad. And Jeremiah, he did this after losing everything. He's, he, he's in this place where he could be in a place of total despair. And he prays, Lord, bring us back the joy that we once had restore us again bring us back the joys we once had do you know that god specializes in new beginnings it's part of what god does he helps people start again after tragedies and crises and things that may happen in your life bible talks about being born again god is a god of new beginnings he can give you a new life 
a fresh start, a new look, a new lease on life, a new direction. But in order to experience that, you have to trust God. You have to believe. You have to believe. You have to expect. You have to anticipate that God will walk with you into the future. See, Jesus didn't come to bring bad news. The gospel, we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel means good news. He didn't come to bring us bad news. He came to bring us good news. He can restore the joy in your life. See, don't, don't resign from life. Don't have the attitude, you know, oh, well, I'm never going to be happy again. I'm just going to pull myself. I'm going to be like a little porcupine. I'm going to pull myself into my own little world, and, and I'm not going to let anybody near me again. I'm not going to trust anyone again. I'm not going to love anyone again. I'm not going to let anyone touch my heart again. That's a big mistake. You might as well go and die right now. You won't experience life. God wants to restore the joy again back into your life. See, don't treat and retreat into resentment. Resentment doesn't work. It doesn't affect the other person. It doesn't affect God. It only, it only hurts you. It only makes the problem worse. See, there's two things that you should do. One is accept what cannot be changed. Accept what cannot be changed. There are lots of things in life that you have no control over. In fact, most things in life you have no control over. The only way to overcome then is through acceptance. Acceptance is the key to peace. Acceptance is the key to serenity. Remember that famous serenity prayer? It goes like this, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Acceptance is the key to getting on with life. See, maybe some of you have you've lost a loved one and, and you're still wishing they would come back, wishing they were still there. But the reality is that they've passed away. They're not coming back. You, you have to accept that. Some of you, maybe you're, you're holding on to a partner, but they've moved on in their life. Maybe they've remarried. Maybe they've gone, moved on in life. And you're going to have to accept that that relationship is not going to come back again. And, and uh, you've got to let it go. Yeah, I've, I've had surgery a number of times in, in my life and I, I would rather not have had it but I'm not going to camp at my experience I'm, I'm not going to let stuff that has happened to me define my life I want to move on into the fullness of what God has got for me I've got to be careful I don't want to be camped at some experience that has happened in my life in the past that by the way also is faith See, faith is accepting the facts of life, accepting the realities and not being discouraged by, you know, real faith is, is believing that although that there are difficulties and although that I'm going, maybe going through a valley or maybe I'm facing some mountain or, you know, there's stuff that has happened, faith is that I, I'm going to continue to step forward. I'm going to step into life. I'm going to step into what God's got for me in spite of the things that have happened around me. Accept the things that cannot be changed. And secondly, focus on what is left, not what is lost. Focus on what is left, not what is lost. See, make a list of things that you can be thankful for. See, gratitude destroys depression. See, it's, it's very hard. It's, it's impossible to be grateful and to be discouraged at the same time. If you write a list, you can't do it. When you're down, make a list of the things that you can thank God for. for. You know, count your blessings, we used to sing. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has, has done. You will find those dark clouds roll away when you have an attitude of gratitude 
in your life. There's no tragedy in life that you cannot recover from if you put your faith and the trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. He will give you the strength. He'll give you the power. He'll give you the energy. He'll give you the love. He'll give you the grace. You'll be able to handle it.